Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. to Linux in the ham shack the one thing on this planet that proves we don't have any young hotsy totsy money making wives so we have to do this darn show my name is Richard KB5JBV and I'm hopefully the old KB5JBV will be here tonight because I had to let him out over at the Walmart the other day uh, and we'll just see what happens let me introduce you to the engine that makes this thing Go, then go. Sounds Australian. No, wait a minute. Makes this show happen. That would be Russ K five T U X way up in the wilderness of of Arkansas, somewhere within smelling distance of the burning copper. Uh, how you doing, Russ? Doing pretty good tonight. Uh, not prepared in any way for the show, which means it'll probably be a good one. There's yeah, because we do some of our best stuff when we don't know what the hell we're doing. Exactly right. And I think of all the people on my block and like the next two blocks over, there's like two houses decorated for Halloween. And I can't remember if the trick or treaters were supposed to come out tonight or if it's tomorrow night. I assume tomorrow night because isn't that technically Halloween? But yes. Halloween spirit around here is dead. No pun intended. But there's a reason for that. And what's the, what's the reason for that? Because grown-ups are the only people that can safely act a, act a fool on Halloween anymore. Because if the kids go out, they end up with needles and razor blades and poison candy and and all kinds of stuff. That's why the other day we took my youngest grandbaby and my oldest grandbaby over to the park in Forney, Texas. Where, believe it or not, they were not only handing out advertisements at all the little booths and stuff. They were actually handing out candy, too. So not only did they get to get to have some candy and I got to throw evil glances at one of my ex coworkers and my, my granddaughter got to get her picture took with some princesses and I refused to hug up on Batman. Uh, it was a good time was had by all. I took all the children within my uh, local sphere, except the one that had to work. And we went to the bark and did Halloween and they're going to do it again tomorrow night while I sleep. Well done. So they, did you break it again? I didn't break anything. Oh, well, they, they, there you go. And see, that's the deal. When I was a kid, and maybe even as recently as when you was a kid. When you uh, were a kid back in the 1630s? No, when I was a kid was about the time Halloween 2 came out. And the opening scene of Halloween 2 was not unusual at that time. Where they're getting out at the hospital. 
Well, to be honest, if I did see Halloween 2, it was long enough ago that I do not remember it. Razor blade sticking out the lip, blood running down. Nope, have no no recollection of that whatsoever. Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do about you. I bet you think Jason's better than Michael Myers. Um, No, I, I didn't really enjoy any of the Friday the 13th or the Halloweens. What about Nightmare on Elm Street? No, Freddy Krueger didn't impress me either. Your classical education is lacking. Next thing you'll tell me is you've never seen a Hannibal Lecter film. Oh, I love those. Yeah, it's too bad they screwed them up so bad they are barely recognizable as anything related to the books. Well, yes, but Hopkins does do a good job, especially in Silence of the Lambs and uh, a fair fair to Midland job, at least in uh, Red Dragon. What was the last one that was so horrible? Hannibal? Was it called Hannibal? Hannibal was pretty bad. Uh, let's see. There was Hannibal Rising, which had the ugly kid in it. Yeah, that was the one that was terrible. And it's fairly close to the book, though. Well, just because it's close to the book doesn't mean it makes a good movie. And I'll have you know that the only real Hannibal actor is Brian Cox. Brian Cox is definitely a, let's see, how would I put it? A well or an easily characterized bad guy. He's always a bad guy. Because he was Hannibal Lecter. All right. And he chooses to play those things, I suppose. I've seen him in a couple things where he wasn't necessarily a bad guy, but what the heck. Are y'all tired of us talking about Hannibal Lecter and Halloween and stuff? Oh, no, this is probably the best thing uh, we've ever talked about. Excuse me? This is probably the best thing we've ever talked about. Uh, it is Halloween time. It'll be almost Thanksgiving time by the time his show comes out. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, the point I'm getting at is that when I was, I guess, probably six, I dragged my father all over the neighborhood over by where we lived until 1 a.m. And we started at 7. Mm-hmm. However, you remember them old grocery sacks that we had? I had like pumpkins and stuff on them and rope handles, and but they were grocery bags. Yes. I filled that bad boy up that year. Yes, sir. You must be very so, proud. So other than lack of Halloween-y stuff, because it's always better to go... It's always better to go uh, be a grown-up at Halloween nowadays because you can always go to a bar where uh, most of the ladies know that Halloween's the one night of the year when it's perfectly okay to dress like a total slut. <laughs> I can say slut without getting badgered, right? Yes. But I can't say ho. Well, you can say ho if you want. No, ho, ho, ho. It is not Merry Christmas just yet. And we're going to find you all some Christmas music since you hated it so bad on Resident Frequency. Ho, ho. Yes, Rich is in a mood, and you need to specify the, the bandying words around like that, Harrison. Um, okay, so what else is going on? Uh, honestly, there's not really a lot going on in my world doing a podcast. Doing a podcast? I find that quite interesting. What is that like? Well, you tell me since you're right smack in the middle of it. I know, it's oh. amazing. Badger. Look, I'm not even going to get upset with you saying a swear word. I'm sorry. No, you're not. If it's any better, I said that at, at the Walmart. Though. Yeah. Well, I consider the Walmart fair game for that word and a no, few, actually, a few if others. Everybody's wondering, Rich is out looking for employment again. It's starting to turn into a sport. However, I have no hair on my head from drug tests. They have shaved me bald pretty much. When did they start doing that? Shaving your head for a drug test? Cutting hair for a drug test think the the new the new tests use sort of a dna-ish kind of profiling rather than the urine test 
And I think they have determined that it's a little more accurate, like not as easy to cheat, so to speak. Well, I mean, you know, so it's, it's natural. They've known since the 1800s that arsenic can be, uh, uh, someone dying of arsenic poisoning or being poisoned by arsenic can be determined by checking the hair because hair only grows a certain length per day, several nanometers. And you can go back six months, nine months, a year on some people just by cutting a little piece of hair. Yeah. <clears throat> Richard, Richard's supposed to be the dumb guy on this program. Why does he know this stuff? No one said I, you were the dumb guy. I read a lot of Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I don't think that's where I got it. Uh, where was I? Oh, yeah. Anyway, so I got like a Dodge dealership and Walmart and a couple of other places that uh, are offering me employment. Mainly because we're tired of screwing with this other thing and Brenda can't really do it anymore. So I guess we already started the show and that's probably something I should have talked about before we started the show. So, uh, bald headed Richard is going to get things rolling. I think, I hope, I pray. Uh, I don't have any announcements. Do you? No, as a matter of fact, I do not. I have nothing in the way of announcements. We've been remiss. We haven't been paying attention. I forgot to announce Belton this year or Belton part two this year we forgot to announce this and that and y'all don't worry we just uh find ourselves it's a crazy kind of thing russ is busy he's got stuff exploding over on his end i got stuff going down on this end and everything else so if you would like to help us out please send ten dollars to uh pity party at gmail.com you, and uh, i wouldn't send it. anything to that address you have no idea where that's going well, if they, if they send it there instead of lhspodcast.info at, uh, uh, doopy, <laughs> doopy, whatever the place is where the money goes. Oh, you know, I got to check to see if that's available now. Hey, pal. That's it. L- hey, pal. Podcast at doopy.com. Uh, yes. <laughs> you don't want us to have a pity party when we start things. Uh, just doopy yourself down. <laughs> This show is so bad that Cheryl just quit in the chat room. Let me tell you. <laughs> but go ahead and send some money to Pity Power. No, wait. Uh, yeah, uh, mark it and put a remark at the bottom that says, this is for the Pity Party. However, if you decide not to do that, go over and check out uh, the subscription for the extra stuff. I think it's like $2 a month. I'm not even looking at it. I shouldn't segue into something unless I'm actually paying attention to it. Okay. You get the extra stuff. Any videos that might happen, uncut versions, musicless versions of the show, uh, stuff when Richard says bad stuff and Russ said, damn, and cuts it out. Uh, just all that stuff, all that stuff, pity parties and words that Harrison throws around with a reckless abandon in the, in the chat room and all this good stuff. And like for $2 a month. All you got to do is go over and click the PayPal button. If you want the yearly subscription, it's only 20 bucks. Now you think about that $2 a month times 12 is 24. So Russ is actually giving y'all a break. See, I don't care because I'm only here because I look good in a speedo. He must've walked away from the microphone. Y'all No, I just didn't want to say out loud that that was a total fabrication, but what, you, but you made me do it. Stuff? No, the thing about the speedo. Okay, it's a two-piece, but I didn't want to say that. <laughs> I'm getting older, y'all, and I need some support. But boom. Okay, so anyway, y'all go over to lhpodcast.info and uh, let's see. Click on whatever it was I clicked. No, no, you, you're going over to our website and clicking random stuff? 
Yeah, I do my best work that way. Oh, okay. What the hell did I click? I don't know. Where is it? I guess I do sort of have an announcement. Screenshots and about us and events. Got to be here somewhere. Anyway, go over to the website and look around. Oh, wait a minute. Nope, that ain't got no. Oh, there it is. Look on the main page and you will find become a member. Any any membership funds that do come our way, we put directly back into the show. Well, we purchase Richard's meds so he's more coherent and all that good stuff. And we keep Russ fueled up so that no matter how, how PO'd he might be when we get started, he is a big, lovable teddy bear by the time we get finished. So what kind of announcements you got, Russ? Well, you're talking about the becoming a member thing and the uh, $20 yearly membership reminded me that the service I've been using to uh, put out the mobile application, the one that you can download for your Android and your iPhone and your iPad and all of that good stuff, while that is a cool application, it has become a not free application, which means that, as far as I can tell, no one has been able to download it recently because I have not paid the new membership fee. I have been digging around for some free alternatives, and I've also been digging around looking at ways that I can code the application myself. Unfortunately, I have limited time to do either of those things. So, in the meantime, what I need is someone to maybe sponsor the cost of keeping that application running until I can find something cheaper. And that doesn't mean that anyone actually has to do this, but if anyone would be so inclined to do so, the monthly fee for the service now is $15. And I know that's a lot, but if anybody out there has a lot more money than I do and a lot more money than Richard does... If you could, you know, spot us $15 a month for a few months until I figure out an alternative to the service I've been using, we will, um, I don't know, do something to make you more well-known than you already are. Or if you want to be an anonymous donor, you know that works too. But I just wanted to spell it out and see if anybody might be able to do that. I've got enough expenses on my plate getting LHS running and keeping all our files and services and registrations and so on and so forth already that another $15 a month is just going to kill me if I have to foot it myself. So if anybody can do that and help us out, that'd be great. Get in touch with us or just do it through PayPal or, or whatever the case may be. Or if you just want to buy the show, let us know about that. You can buy the show really, really cheap. Get in contact with Russ. K5TUA at whatever the heck it is this week. Well, here's the thing. Um, what? what? D- Disney just bought Lucasfilm for about $4 billion. Uh-huh. And I tell you what, if somebody is interested in buying the LHS franchise, the deal we make with you is going to seem a whole lot better than that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. And we'll actually get people asking about that. So moving on. <laughs> Okay, that's his announcement. If I remember mine later, I'll blurt it out while Russ is talking. So let's move on with the show. Move on with the show. I hope he can make us way snappier in post-production because it will not. Oh, good Lord. Well, if I just cut you out, I mean, we'll be all set. Well, there you have it. <laughs> there you have it. Okay, so creating a desktop wallpaper. I can't believe you're going to be... I should have moved that down because you're going to make me talk about this. You're going to make me talk again right up front. 
let's talk about Windows 8 is available. No, it's Rust 2. <laughs> no, I'll talk about uh, doing the desktop wallpaper thing because uh, it's kind of a cool thing I found out the other day. Okay, go ahead. Okay, well, I was looking for a way to make a, you know how, well, oh boy, I'm going to bring this up and I'm going to shoot myself in the foot already. But anyway, as it happens, if you happen to own a Macintosh and you see that some of their built-in wallpapers actually have rotating images and you can actually include like a photo slideshow as your desktop wallpaper, and I believe uh, Windows and Linux also allow you to do that with uh, using the X screen saver application and just the built-in application for whatever wallpapers are, or no, I'm talking about two different things. See, I've already gone off the rails. Why aren't you helping me with this? Because I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay. Well, you know how, like, if you have a screensaver where your screen goes blank after, you know, an hour of inactivity or whatever, sometimes you can program it so that you have a photo slideshow that does your screensaver protection while you're away from your computer and it shows pictures of your kids or your dog or your pot habit or whatever it is you've got going on. I have pictures of Richard in a speedo. Uh, fantastic. I'm glad you're the one looking at that and no one else. (laughs) So as it happens, um, Macintoshes also have the ability to have rotating desktop wallpaper so that your desktop background actually changes like while you're doing stuff, uh, sort of, uh, you know, fade, uh, fade transition between different images. You should be able to do that in KDE. Yes, you probably can do that in KDE, but I'm going to discuss how you can do it in GNOME. Now, what I, what happened was I was actually going out on the internet looking for an application that would do it. Something like X screensaver that would like sit in the background as a demon or whatever and rotate your, de- your, your background image. But it turns out that GNOME already has the capability built in. You just have to know how to use it. I think this is fairly simple for me. And I honestly think it's, it's human readable enough that the average person would be able to do it. But basically what you have to do is you have to edit a file and, you know, have a directory full of images that you want to rotate through. Now that directory can be anywhere on the file system as long as you have access to it as a user. And the directory where you have to put the special file is under slash user slash share slash backgrounds. And what you do is you create a background or you create a directory in there for your backgrounds and you can call it anything you like. There's already going to be some stuff in there. So make sure you don't overwrite it if you don't want to overwrite the stuff that's already there. And you're going to have to be super user, i.e. root, in order to do this because you're in the user share directory, which is part of the system files. So you sudo over to root, you go into user slash share slash backgrounds, create a directory. And in that directory, you can put all of your image files that you want to rotate your desktop background through, or you can put them somewhere else. You you could actually do this whole thing somewhere else, but this sort of keeps the convention the same if you put it under this directory. Now, in a typical install of Linux Mint, or I believe regular Debian with GNOME, um, there's already going to be a directory in there called Cosmos, um, because that's the Cosmos wallpaper group. And that already has a rotating group of images. Like there's an image of the moon and some galaxies and stuff like that. And it will rotate through them at a certain interval. 
So what you do is, in that subdirectory, under Cosmos, there's a file called background-1.xml, which is a dead giveaway that it's an XML file. So what you do is you copy that file into your directory that you just created. You know, call it, you know, my backgrounds or something like that. And then you open that file in your favorite editor and you look at the contents. And when you look at the contents, you'll see that it's very basic XML structure and it's all self-explanatory. You have a start time, which you can basically set to any time in the past. You have to give it a ridiculous amount of granularity all the way down to seconds, but it doesn't really matter. Just put in some random time that's in the past. And then you have um, blocks called static blocks in which you have a duration tag and you have a file tag. And of course the duration is how long do you want to view the image? And the file tag is what image you want to view. And then there's a transition tag and the transition tag contains a duration of how long the transition should take, what file the transition is from and what file the transition is to. And basically you just repeat this over and over for all of the different files you have. And basically you want to make it, I mean, you can, you can check this out when you look at the file, but basically what you want to do is make it so that the current file is static for a certain amount of time. And then you transition for another amount of time from that same image to the next image. Then the next static file is around for some amount of time. And then there's another transition from that image to the next image and so on and so on and so on. And then basically the very last transition is going to be from the last image you have back to the first image in the first static block. And then it will just keep going around and around and around changing your desktop images. The only um, sort of caveat to this is then once you, once you define this file and you have all of the images you want to rotate through, then you have to right click on the, your desktop background. You say change your desktop back, background and then you have to add a new desktop background. But when you go to the directory slash user slash share slash backgrounds slash, you know, my, my backgrounds or my images or whatever, then you have to change the thing from image, image files in the lower right to all files and select the .xml file. You select the XML file instead of like a JPEG or a PNG because you actually wanted to use the XML to rotate through all of the image you, images you have in that subdirectory as defined by the XML file. Once you select that, then it will change your desktop background to the first image, you know, referenced in that file. And then it will scroll through them at the intervals that you defined. To me, that's a pretty simple thing to do because basically you're just copying a file that already exists. And as long as you like the duration that's already set in there, all you have to do is change the file tags to uh, the names of the files that you want to scroll through as opposed to the ones in the uh, Cosmos uh, wallpaper gallery that's, that's already defined on the system. And so if you want to have uh, multiple rotating wallpapers on your system, to me, that's a really super simple way to do it without installing packages without having to do any coding or anything like that. And uh, it works under GNOME 2 and 3, I believe. Well, that sounded like a pretty thorough analysis. No, actually, I would try something like that, but I'm absolutely hopeless with XML files. I tear them up, 
tear him up in a heartbeat. But yeah, uh, I do remember, and it may have been in Gnome. I think it was probably in KDE though. I used to have my background change about every 24 hours to different stuff because I had so many background pictures because I was a background picture whore. And um, that guy's though, in fact, I still got a bunch of them. Background picture whore. That's it. All right. Every time I seen one I liked, I snagged it. Mm-hmm. I stole background pictures from everywhere. Anyhow, who's he, who's he do? Yes, boy. Anyway, I know what you're talking about with the screensaver because I have my, my grandbabies screen saved. Ooh, that's terrible. Richie is really exposing himself tonight. No, that's what the Speedo is for. <laughs> I just wish I could claim it looked like there was a squirrel living in it. Oh, it's Bill. What's Bill got to say? Does Bill have anything to say? I think he found you a link. Wallpaper in Ubuntu. Oh, he's been doing his due diligence, like his job and stuff. Right. Bill, is that is that link I put up there above that any good? I guess we'll find out. Better not send any to the girl. If there's any lady folks are listening, don't go to the link above Bill's. Don't do it. And they're all like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> it could, it could be embarrassing, embarrassing. That sounded like pretty handy. And I know there's a lot of people out there that at the very least are going to give that a shot. So let, let's move on to something else. As most of you know, even though it'll be over and done with probably by the time, uh, it gets out, there's a hurricane up in the Northeast and them people, they don't like hurricanes. It's just kind of like hot weather. It doesn't work for them. The world is coming to an end, but that's okay because because we're we're going to talk about something that just kind of struck me. I was out cruising around the web looking for something today. I didn't trample on you with my Segway, did I? Not at all. Okay. Anyway, I was I was cruising around today looking looking at some stuff and everything else, and I saw that what was coming up were articles about amateur radio operators uh, working through the hurricane up in the northeast. And I found a couple, and I only pulled one down so that uh, I would remember. Plus, it's kind of short. You know, ham radio operators get kind of long-winded. At philly.com, philly.com, which uh, by the little logo up in the corner may be an inquirement newspaper, at least have that unfortunate unfortunate name. But it's talking about, uh, let's see, Hurricane Sandy approaches Philly, uh, Cheltenham, high school and i probably murdered that but if i got it right y'all send money cheltenham high school is ready to withstand the storm they they had a had a shelter set up there and some nurses and mental health professionals and meals on wheels and all that good stuff and everything else and then about halfway down the article it starts talking about a guy named ed kenna now nowhere in this article did i find his call sign However, he seems to be heading up things down there. And I believe at some point I was reading through this and they were running a races operation down there. But they're running amateur radio out of this high school as any good shelter should have and all kinds of good stuff. So if y'all want to hear about what's going on with the storm as it uh, moves along and uh, the amateur radio operators get involved, if you get to thinking that uh, your license is a toy and... There's not anybody out there doing good work with it. Go, go, go check some of these things out. This particular article, if you go over to philly.com, P-H-I-L-L-O-Y.com, 
And let's see, articlesphilly.com. They, uh, there's a really long link there. Y'all check the show notes. Yeah, go over to Google and type amateur radio and then uh, reach over and click on uh, news. And some of this stuff come up and you can read about it. What do you think about that, Russ? I'm sorry, what were you talking about? Philly sandwiches. <laughs> oh, Philly cheesesteaks. Yeah, go to the Reading Terminal Market. Wander around in there till you find the Philly cheesesteaks. Get one of those. And then find the Stromboli booth and pick up one of those. Those are the best damn Strombolis in the entire United States. But I love Stromboli, but I have to stay away from the Philly burgers. Okay. And as far as Hurricane Sandy, yeah, I mean, um, since I was sort of actually kind of paying attention, maybe. I just found out today from a friend of mine that um, it missed my parents, which is good. Didn't didn't quite get that far north where it made any kind of difference. But lots of people are there to help out. And uh, another friend of ours who lives in Arizona, not the one you're thinking of, it's not Lee, actually posted on Facebook uh, yesterday or today saying that they were thinking of going up there and helping out with uh, any relief efforts because they had, you know, like some general medical skills. They were a ham radio operator and blah, blah, blah. And between all of their different skills and hobbies, they might actually be able to provide some assistance to uh, all the folks and relief workers who are dealing with the aftermath of Hurricane Sandy. So definitely something to get involved with uh, if you're in the area or you have the time or inclination to do something about it. Well, I know we dispatched uh, Texas Baptist men, uh, Saturn, Aries, Matt, and all kinds of stuff to Louisiana when that stuff went down. You know, I spent some serious time operating radios for Baptist men here locally when uh, all that mess was going on. And, uh, yeah, I imagine there'll be teams from all over the place going that direction. It, it's in fact, I imagine Pinky and the boys have already headed that way. I know, uh, Brenda be manning the phones at a cleanup service here, here in Dallas, believe it or not, to, uh, that, uh, does water damage mitigation, you know, get in there with the vacuums and clean stuff up pans and stuff. Anyway, so we, we, we feel for you, the people of the Northeast and for the ham radio operators up in that area, go get them kids. So. This brings us to something else. You know, we were talking about uh, Echo Link back in the distant reaches of the past. And we ke- we keep talking about Qtel. And Qtel is the only one that comes to mind because just about any distro that I've ever checked it, checked for it in, it's been in there. But uh, there was some stuff I got drug over to the CQINet website. And for those of y'all that don't know, uh, CQINet is a, a project over on SourceForge. And uh, part of that is an Echolink program, Echolinux, yeah. And I got to searching around. It's kind of spread out across the web, but this is a, uh, I guess you run it in a terminal. I was going to download it today and run the thing and see what was going on with it. I was only able to find a few screenshots of it, but it appears to run in a terminal. It doesn't run under GUI. They're doing their best to... Uh, try and keep these two programs that are under the CQINet banner uh, doing their best to make sure that they're cr- as cross-platform as they can make them. And Echo Linux is supposed to run, uh, what, were they, what was it saying? It's supposed to run on Linux, Linux, Windows, and Apple. Now, I don't know how, how true this is because I didn't have a lot of time to research it. But uh, you might go ahead and go over and check it out. I know that on the 
over on the website they have, which appears to be the same website I looked at six or seven years ago. Somewhere on that website it says it. So uh, Echo Linux, you might want to download that and give it a try. I'm going to download it here in the next uh, in the next week or so and check it out myself. You know, I'm not a big fan of uh, Echo Link. However, there's a lot of people out there that are. And it was going to be our alternative to a repeater out here until uh, one of my guys out here saved us. Now, the other part of that is a program called The Bridge. Now, for those of you that use Echolink, you know that there are uh, conferences that you can hook into, kind of like chat rooms, that kind of thing. Well, the majority of those run on this software called The Bridge. Now, the bridge, I was going to set up a conference when I was still on that other operating system. And at that time, it was extremely difficult to set it up. So I kind of gave it up. And in the process of switching over to Linux and everything else, I kind of forgot about it. But I ran across it today. appears to have a Windows version now. And they claim that the Windows version will run on everything since Windows 95. Uh, in fact, there's a fairly fairly lengthy fa- uh, fact over there on uh, is it the bridge or Echo Linux on the bridge. And right here it says that, let's see, it's not a DOS program. It is a Windows program, even though when you run it, it looks like it's a DOS program. But it's uh, a minimal kind of thing. It's supposed to run in the background. Says it'll run under FreeBSD, Linux, Mac OS 10, QNX, whatever that is. I'm sure Russ can tell me. And uh, a little further down the fact, it talks about it should run on every version of the other operating system since 95. So uh, you guys go out there and work with this thing. One of the reasons I quit working with it is I couldn't tell if it was working. Because one of, you need, one of the strange little quirks of this thing is is that uh, if you only have one IP address out to your Internet provider or back from your Internet provider, then you can't fire up a copy of any Echolink uh, uh, client and be able to come back through and test it. So since I'm the guy that has to test everything or I'm or in my mind it's not working, that's one of the reasons I ended up dropping it in the last place. So this would be a good place to stop off and say, uh, do you have any questions about that, Russ? No. He dozed off. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like I said, you know, I know you've used Echo Link, Russ, and I've used it in the past a little bit to find out what it was all about. But, you know, like uh, even right now, the uh, National Hurricane Center probably has uh, probably has their conference up down on Echo Link. Uh, for the storms coming in up there in the northeast, you know they they keep a they keep a conference down there, and there's quite a few nets that happen on these things and everything else. Does that interest you at all? You able to get your hands on fifty fifty uh, IP addresses if you want them? Yeah, I'm. I looked at the bridge thing after you posted it in the Etherpad, and uh, I am interested in checking that out and see if I can get it to run. And see, it can be hooked up to RLP if both. If the RLP station and the Echolink conference is set up the right way, there's information on that website about it. This is, like I said, this has been on SourceForge for some time. It appears it hadn't been updated for quite a while, but not being updated doesn't mean there's not being, 
being any work done on it. Sometimes it gets as far as they want it to go and they just stop working on it because it's as good as it's going to get. Last version of the bridge appears to have been January of 2011 and Echo, uh, Echo Linux, uh, 06. However, it appears they still get downloads of the stuff. Y'all can go over and check that out. Let me see if I can find the, find the URL for it in our lovely, lovely etherpad. Well, y'all go over to http colon stroke stroke cqinet.sourceforge.net. And that'll get you to the main page. The bridge has a separate area, separate area, but there's a link on that main main page to get to it. Uh, they appear to have put more time into the information on uh, on the bridge than uh, on this Echo Linux. But it's an alternative if you can get it going right. It's an alternative to Qtel, uh, another way to operate uh, Echo Link, and I believe it probably wouldn't take as much room up on your machine while it was running. So. Anything else on that, Russ? I have used Qtel before. I've I've used it independently uh, on one of my machines up in up in Missouri to uh, play around with, you know, the sort of command line interface that it provides to Echolink, and it's actually very usable. I don't think I've ever actually played with Echo Linux, although something in the back of my brain is telling me that maybe I did once or twice, and I'm just not remembering what exactly it was like or how it felt. Another thing about Qtel is that it's part of the SVX link package. So if you want to run a Linux based, a native Linux based Echolink server using SVX link, you also get the Qtel client part as part of that. So, uh, keep that in mind. You can, you can sort of run both halves of the equation, uh, when it comes to Echolink, uh, just using the SVX link package. Well, and, you know, the the bridge, one of the reasons I didn't get it set up in the first place is because it was a Linux, uh, Linux uh, setup. And uh, that's one of the things that made it extremely difficult to set up on a, on a Windows machine. That's what so, SIGWIN is for. So it's always been. Well, I think that was part of it. You had to set up SIGWIN. Yeah. And I knew nothing about it. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, I not know much uh, about it. Yeah. Qnix is um an embedded software an embedded linux software package basically okay there you go because i'm a dummy but i look good in the speedo of course you do there you have it especially if i'm sitting down at a table at of all places main street barbecue on main street in Euless, texas y'all gonna buy main street barbecue and check it check it out it's almost like old time place except they won't let them put the meat on butcher paper because uh the uh what you Madui people, the ones that make sure you don't get food poisoning or jackasses. <laughs> well, there you have it. <laughs> How many times have you been over there since we went that first time? Uh, three. Yeah. Well, a lot, and we'd have been there more if we'd have had the money to go because uh, there for a while we were going to the Albertsons and the Kroger's right up the street from there quite often. So with that. Let's move on to something else. So I've talked about Hurricane Sandy and CQI Net. Pick a subject. We got a whole list there. We ain't talked about it yet. Yeah, I don't know if I want to talk about any of those topics. Well, the first one about the Raspberry Pi, I guess I can bring that up as in sort of an announcement kind of way. Right. Show us your pie. That's right. Well, I've I've got one pie. Well, see, all right. I ordered three Raspberry Pis, two from one place. I would be ashamed of myself telling people that they get, you got, telling everybody that you got pie. Yeah, I know. Go well, ahead. 
Okay. So anyway, I ordered three raspberry pies back when they were a rarity. They are no longer a rarity. Two of them I have already received, one of which I sold pretty much immediately as soon as I got it. And the second one has remained inside of its box. The third one is on its way from Great Britain, has been... (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, my my brain is not picking up on the smut that yours is. (laughs) Russ has a box of pie. (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) Okay. Third, (laughs) Third grade humor aside... (laughs) Woohoo! <laughs> so I have a third pie <laughs> on the slow boat from Great Britain, and I'm waiting for that one to show up. Now, several episodes ago, I asked our listeners if they wouldn't mind either voicemailing us or emailing us, or me in particular, something to do with my pie. So uh, having received no responses, I guess I'm going to say, I still haven't done anything with my pies as they've shown up. I've still got two whole pies in boxes that I need to do something with. So if anybody has a suggestion about what I should do with my pie, and you can take that any way you wish, uh, go ahead and let me know because God hit me. <laughs> I know I'm being deliberately smutty on this. So <laughs> that's right. So everybody get your, get your hands on my pie. Tell me what you think I should do. That's all I have to say about that. You, this other thing about Sylphid and uh, FLARQ, I looked at that when you posted it last week or two weeks ago, and I'm not even sure I understood what the hell it was talking about. So do you want to tackle that one or do you want to move on to something else? Uh, long story short, and I'll go back and try and refresh on it because most of it I forgot. But um, uh, for those of you that use NBEMS, or have heard of NBEMS, or would like to go find out about NBEMS, which is uh, emergency communications on HF via PSK31. It's kind of like a, a mailbox packet way kind of thing, but it uses PSK31. I uh, found out that you can actually set up uh, Sleepit along with some others. I think the one they suggest is uh, internet, uh, whatever the Microsoft thing is. Uh, but since we don't do that here, you can use this other one. I would imagine just about any real mail, mail client that you use, you can set up that way. But I found it interesting that it actually says in the documentation you can do it. Uh, I don't know what happened to the link, but we'll we'll talk about. I'll look it back up and we'll talk about it some next time. You know, you talking about that and FLARQ. I'm more interested in what you got to say about web, Google Web Fonts because I was doing something where it said you can add Google Web Fonts, and I'm like, where the hell are they? Let me see if I can remember where they are because that was like two weeks ago. This thing is falling apart rapidly. I know because all I put in there was Google Web Fonts, and then I, you know, <laughs> I didn't bother to put in a link or anything. Well, okay. I guess if, you know if it had the word pie on the end of it, you'd be interested. That's right. Everybody loves pie. You can find Google Web Fonts at www.google.com/webfonts. Imagine that. What good does that do me? Well, it doesn't do you a whole lot of good, except that. If you want to actually render different fonts other than, you know, the six or eight sort of default fonts that come in, you know, your typical browser that they know how to render, you can use Google Web Fonts. Now, there's there's a few different ways you can use Google Web Fonts. There are some um, like WordPress and Joomla and 
and other themes that allow you to embed Google Web Fonts within them. That's uh, a fairly simple way to go about it. The other way to go about it is to embed Google Web Fonts in your cascading style sheets, if you know anything about web design and programming cascading style sheets. I don't. And if you don't know anything about cascading style sheets and you're not using WordPress or whatever that allows you to embed Google Web Fonts, then I think the th- it was WordPress. Then the third option is to use some JavaScript and Google Web Fonts will kindly generate the JavaScript code that you need to embed the web fonts in whatever document you want to embed them in. So it's a pretty cool project. Go to www.google.com stroke web fonts. And if you want your website to look, you know, kind of different and cooler than the average website because they have some pretty cool fonts over there. Uh, available completely for free, merely need to give up your immortal soul for these fonts, and we all know how cheap those go these days. So uh, just check that out, and uh, I, I use them all the time. And there you go. There you go, Babel. Google That's right. If you, if you want to see an example of how Google Web Fonts work, you can go to my blog site, k5tux.us. Check out my blog. And in so doing, you will see how Google Web Fonts can enhance your web browsing experience. There you have it. They were the evil empire six months ago, but we're going to use them now. I don't know, though. All that Raspberry Pi mess, now you got me thinking about the antagonist of a novel called Dirty White Boys. Never heard of it. Lamar Pie. Yes, sir. The meanest white man ever to ever to be incarcerated in the McAllister State Penitentiary. Dirty White Boys by Stephen Hunter. Y'all go check it out. It's too bad. It's about time for it would be good time for Audible commercial, but we don't do Audible because y'all can't listen to it, or a bunch of you can't listen to it because you won't do what I did, and I'm not going to say what I did because I might get arrested. I think we have beat this animal just as hard as we can. We should probably move on to feedback. What do you think? Sounds like a great way to finish this off. Okay, so the first piece of feedback we have, kiddos, is an email from David, K-E-0-A-Z. And he's talking about antennas from episode 91. Now, 91's been quite a while back, and I really don't remember a whole lot about it, but we're going to give it a whirl. It says, whenever I see an ad for a commercial vertical or dipole, in the $300 range or higher, I think, gee, that's a lot of money for a zero dB gain antenna. Like so many things in life, the answer to the what's the best antenna is it depends. I started out in Houston in 1978 with a 4BTV and worked all over the place with it. I upgraded to a six-element tri-bander Wilson SY36 and had a lot of fun with it with that. Lost it in Hurricane Alicia in 1993, or 1983, sorry. Uh, now I'm in Denver, up there with Jerry. Hi, Jerry, and am about to install a, a used 4BTV. Small yard, small money. I think I'll do okay with it. 73 guys, David, K-E-0-A-Z. Well, now, you know, that brings a, a, li- a little bit back to my memory. It sort of brings something back to my memory, too, which was the first antenna that I used was a 6B TV with a Kenwood TS520. And I remember that after trying to tune that sucker for each of the bands that it was available on, I felt like gouging my eyes out with a rusty spoon would have been less painful. Well, there you go. And uh, 
Uh, I think I had a similar experience, but I really, I think what we were talking about in 91, I'm probably wrong and Bill will correct us because he is the keeper of all things Linux in the ham shackish. Um, I think we were talking about someone had asked a question about what is the best antenna. They didn't qualify it. They just said, what is the best antenna? And I'm sure that I probably responded the way I'm fixing to respond now, which is I agree with you wholeheartedly, David. Because different antennas are designed for different jobs, and it depends on what you're going to do with that antenna, what you want to like get up in the air. If you've got room for a tower and all that mess, and you can afford the rotors and everything, and the thrust thrust bearings and all the other good stuff that goes along with a giant beam antenna, then go for it. Because you're going to reach out and touch people with it. And mostly the DXers are going to want those kind of antennas because they will just reach out there and get it. On the other hand, when you're going on the, on the budget plan, as I do myself quite often, you find that a fairly simple dipole antenna will generate uh, contacts. And in the case here, since I'm more of an emergency communications kind of guy, it's more important to me to be able to talk to the EOC in Austin, which is the state capital for those of y'all that don't know, uh, the EOC in Austin than it is for me to work some guy in Patagonia. Now, the other side of it is that the commercial antennas, yeah, okay, I can, I can go for the zero dB gain thing, but it's like this AR-10 I've got out in the garage. It's actually a 3DB gain antenna. It's a 10-meter vertical. I think it's about a half wave long, roughly, with the good old Ringo Ranger matching section at the bottom and that kind of stuff. And you're even talking about something like the Barker and Williams uh, folded dipoles we were talking about here a while back. Yeah, they're pretty expensive, but they are industrial-grade if you pay for uh, something like a Barker and Williams, it is going to last for years and years and years. So I think we agree on a lot of it. We may disagree on some of it, but it's kind of like uh, kind of like I was always told: if you're going to spend a dollar on a radio, spend two dollars on your antenna. What do you think, Russ? That's the general rule of thumb that I heard when I was getting into the hobby was that your transceiver. You know, however good it may be and however many features it might give you, it only puts out a certain amount of power. And that amount of power, how much of that effectively radiates depends on how efficient and how well-tuned your antenna is. And that usually depends on how much effort you put into it and how good the antenna is to begin with. So if you have a good antenna, investing in that good antenna is going to give you double, triple, quadruple, some multiplier of you know better performance than whatever you get from the power of your transceiver. So always, always a good idea to have a decent antenna for whatever application you have, whether it has to be vertical, whether it has to be horizontal. doesn't matter as long as uh, the impedance match is good, the tuning is good. Uh, and the power output from your radio effectively radiates through it. That's the most important thing. And once again, it's like anything else in the hobby. Uh, you buy a particular radio for a particular job most of the time. You know, uh, the only guys that buy generalized stuff, generalized antennas, generalized radios uh, without picking certain features or uh, certain qualities for that piece of equipment are the guys that are brand new. 
anybody that's been around for a few years, they have a specific goal in their amateur radio hobby. So uh, the best antenna is the one that gets the job you want to do done. And we had a comment on the website now we're from Tim, KI6BGE. Tim's been with us a long time. He's been with us since the early days of the other show. And uh, that's probably something I should have mentioned earlier, but I'll just wait until the next time we record and mention it. Uh, we won't be too far into November, I don't think. And the feedback on the website says, Richard, I have a really nice Brother 2070N network printer that quit feeding paper about four weeks ago. I've been using the single sheet manual feeder for multiple page documents. It was a real pain. I had already looked for obvious problems and then put off taking it to get it repaired because of the cost. You know, printers nowadays are pretty much throwaway. Uh, I normally build my PCs from scratch and repair them myself, but the printer didn't look like uh, there was anything I could do. Then I listened to LHS. I thought to myself and said, what the badger? I'll probably try to fix it myself. 20 minutes later, I had a piece of paper out of, had a piece of paper about an eighth of an inch in by a quarter inch. My needle nose pliers after it gets a little confused. I think what he's saying is he had an eighth of an inch piece of paper about a quarter, quarter of an inch in that he removed with his needle nose pliers. And, uh, it had been holding the micro switch for the paper sensor down. The uh, printer is back to normal. As you said, don't be afraid of these machines. Always a fan. TMKI6BGE Torrance, California. Well, there you go, Tim. I've had so many things get tore up and destroyed over the years. And uh, sometimes I'm not as knowledgeable as I need to be. So other people may tell you that it's not good. But my simple philosophy is uh, a lot of times after I've fussed with something and fussed with something, fussed with something. I look at that thing and I say, okay, it's not working. I can't make it work. However, if I try this, it may never work again, but it ain't working now. So I'm really not losing nothing if it don't ever, if it don't ever work again. And 99.995% of the time that gets it working. My son can take a VCR completely apart and put it back together. And it will run better than it ever has. And he will have screws left over. So to you and everybody within the sound of my voice, do not be afraid of this technology. I mean, shoot, not like the old days when we had to worry about getting electrocuted and stuff. No, go out and see how much stuff you can fix. And I want to hear your success stories. Please send them in to uh, info at lhspodcast.net. Info. Info, lhspodcast.info. Send it in to lhspodcast.info and l- tell us your success stories. Okay, so uh, last but not least, we have a piece of audio feedback from Scott, N8VSI. Oh, wait a minute. I forgot to ask Russ what he thought about the printer problem. I think he pr- pretty much summed it up as much as it needed to be summed up. You, uh, you actually summed it up when you were talking about the fact that people should just be willing to sort of dive right in and you know, fix their own problems. And I think that goes back to what I was saying about doing that little tweak with the XML file and creating your own rotating desktop wallpapers. That's something you shouldn't be scared of. You should just go ahead, dive right in 
the worst thing is going to happen is it's just not going to work and you're not going to have any wallpapers. It's not like the world's going to come to an end or anything like that. So give it a shot. And I think that's all there is to say about that. We, we do probably need to wrap this up. And I have a, about a 45 second long little comment from Scott N8 VSI who, who sent us a little report from, uh, Ohio Linux Fest before he knew that he was actually going to be on the show to talk about it. But just for the uh, sake of completeness, we should probably play this before we say goodbye to everybody and come back in a couple weeks for another episode. So what do you think? I didn't sign off yet. Oh, okay. Let me just say to Tim and everybody else, go out there. Do not be afraid. You are a special person and the Badger loves you. So let's see the, let's hear the audio feedback from Scott. All right. This is from Scott and eight VSI. Hello, Richard. Hello, Russ. This is Scott, N8VSI. Wanted to give you a report on last week's Ohio Linux Fest. Had a great time. Thank you very much for, for getting me out there. And talk with a lot of folks who wanted to find out more about ham radio, find out more about how Linux relates to ham radio. And a lot of people just wanted to see the Raspberry Pi that I had up as a, a demo in action. So that worked out well, too. Got to say, the, uh, the venue was awesome. Um, to my right, as I was actually out in the main hallway in the conference center, and to my right was the Linux Fest, and to my left was the Wizard Comic Con. So I had prime people watching opportunities. Anyhow, uh, just wanted to report back in. If you guys want to uh, have me on the show, you certainly can. Um, and give me, or you can uh, arrange, and we can talk via Mumble or, or uh, uh, Skype or any of the other methods that we can that we can utilize. Thank you very much, and I'll talk to you all later. Have a great day. Well, as everybody knows, we already had Scott on. We took him up on his offer to have a discussion about Ohio Linux Fest, and anyone who's been paying attention already has heard that episode and knows all about what happened and all that good stuff. So there, we, we have completed. There is no more audio feedback. There is no more written feedback, which means that all of you listeners have to get busy and send us more money. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, speaking of sending us money, we have already I'm received all... a donation from Harrison uh, about the thing I was saying before about uh, getting our mobile application out there. Uh, we didn't get the whole amount we need to uh, support ourselves through November. So if a couple more people could pitch in a few bucks here or there, I'll be well on my way to fulfilling my subscription obligation and getting the application back up and running so people can go ahead and download it. So thanks again to Harrison. We appreciate that. And uh, hopefully donations will continue to come in in the future. And I really don't want to beat that horse anymore. So uh, what else do you have before we uh, need to roll this one on out the door? Oh, I just think about money because I don't ever have one, have none. All right, kiddos. With that, We've come in under an hour, and he'll have to cut some of it up because there was a place, a couple of places where Richard said bad words, and we probably need to spruce up that front end so it's a little more peppy. But that's okay because we'll be back in two weeks, and in two weeks we'll be back and we'll bore you just as much as we did this week. But that's okay because we might even have some music to irritate you with. And we'll pimp the band and all that good stuff. And my, if you want to contact me, you should probably send an email to kb5jbv at gmail.com. 
And the only reason I say that is because I have trouble remembering anything else because I've been using that one so long. However, I'm also available on, uh, let's see, Facebook. And I see when y'all sign up for Twitter. I don't get over there often. But if you send me a direct message, I get it. And with that, I'll toss it over to Russ, and he can give y'all his information. And then maybe, maybe this will be the end part. Well, you're trying to make your outro as short as it could possibly be. Uh, and see, so you're not even going to talk now. Okay, well, this is Russ, K5TUX. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming live to tape to you from between the peaks in the pine forest of north central arkansas you can reach me at k5tux at lhspodcast.info or info at lhspodcast.info if you want to email both of us together at the same time go to lhspodcast.info leave us a comment on the website you can find links to our mailing lists, our subscription information, our donation page and all the information you'll ever need to know about Linux in the Ham Shack, and also our phone number one nine zero nine LHS show one nine zero nine five four seven seven four six nine. If you want to send us some voice feedback, which we will gladly play on the show, unless you tell us not to, in which case we won't. Thanks very much for being a part of episode number ninety four of Linux in the Ham Shack, and we will be back in a couple of weeks with another earth-shaking and otherwise incredible episode of LHS. Until then, we bid you good night, and I'm going to leave you with these final words of wisdom from Richard. I'm just going to say, I promise y'all the very next time that we record, I promise not to be sitting here in the middle of a 60 flashback. We'll see y'all next time.